Crafty Radio, episode 371, on February 20th, 2015. And welcome to Crafty Radio, where we are going on a stork patrol after this is over. But first we're going to drink some beers. Are we? Well, it'll be hard, but maybe we can find some. (laughs) We have, uh, let's see, two beers that were sent in by, three beers that were sent in by, four, four beers. That were sent in. Uh, no, these are Dave beers. K three. So, <laughs> so that's a great introduction. Me just get, being wrong about everything. Yeah. Get used to it, Craig. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where do we start with? I guess we'd start with the uh, Abita. Yeah, let's do that one. So Abita sent us this. This is their Louisiana spiced ale, which is spiced, like you said, for crawfish. So sort of like an old day crab, but yeah. So uh, Flying Dog did one of these last couple years. Um, it's called Dead Bay, I think, or something. But it has Old Bay seasoning in it. It's kind of like you know to go with soft shell crabs in the you know the Baltimore area type thing. So you know, it seems like the same general idea in Louisiana with crawfish. Here. One of the main things in, in Old Bay, if you may remember, is celery salt that has a lot of character to okay. it. Okay. Uh, so this has hints of cayenne, celery, paprika, lemon peel, and bay leaves into the into this beer that's hot with cascades. 5.2% alcohol volume, 22 IBUs. The color is a... Why would you put that? It's a... Hazy gold. Yeah. Kind of a little bit more yellowish than gold, but I don't know. Maybe you're right. It smells really good. I mean, not knowing like what it was, like just like it falls right into a default of like kind of a spicy wit beer. Yeah. You get a lot of coriander, you get you well, you, you know, it, it just kind of seems like a wit beer when you stick your nose in it. Now, when you smell a bit more closely, you can see that it's not just coriander and orange peel. But uh, it's a good be, it's a great place to start. It would be hard to 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 pick that out, I think. I mean, I, I feel a little bit of the cayenne in my nose, but I don't know if I would pick that out yeah, as a smell. And that's what I'm saying. I, from the smell, not you know, if you didn't just know what we just yeah. read, I think it, it it's, you know it's going to come across mostly like a whip beer. It's a good multi flavor too. Yeah. It starts out with kind of like a like a um, dinner roll, like crusty dinner roll, and then it's not overwhelming with the spices. The spices are pretty restrained. As you drink it, you might get more tuned into them. But you can be forgiven for thinking this is just uh, a wit beer with a slightly spicier mm-hmm. concoction going on. Um, you get at the edge though. You start to get some of that cayenne mm-hmm. and some of the burn. Hmm. Let's see what's going on with this. There's an information sheet on the table there, All too. Right. There's a lots of info. I just updated the uh, you know, stack of information sheets today. Right, here we go. And nothing, nothing, nothing. interesting, except for... I, I do like that sometimes... The data is weird because, like, this says 5.1%. The website says 5.2. <laughs> and the label says 
That one tenth of percent. <laughs> they should have sent us some crawfish. They could have done like you know what like Sam Adams does when they send a grapefruit with grapefruit. Yeah, and rebel. <laughs> we'll get to that soon, but um, let's stay on the uh, Abita right now. So you get, yeah, you get. You st- trying to, to to tune my tongue into mm-hmm. that. Uh, Somewhat earthy, spicy stuff that you get when you do like a crawfish boil or um, or a crab boil or something like that. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm starting after you know drinking most of my sample. The the cayenne's starting to prickle my tongue. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's lingering after the taste. You know, where up until now I wasn't really noticing that. Oh, it was it was noticeably for me right away. I believe. Okay. Because um, I I could feel it just tingling that little tingly. Yeah, I really didn't get that until just now. Um, I'm looking for the. Um, Old Bay, the bay leaves in there, and they're they're pretty minor. You mm-hmm. know, I, I would have expected something just a little bit more. You know, I'm thinking, you know, again for baseline, I'm comparing it to the one from Flying Dog. Yeah, I think it's more, it's a little more subtle than the Old Bay spice in general. Mm-hmm. Um, not that it's a subtle spicing, but it doesn't feel. Um, like it has a special, a particular, pretty strong character to it, like that, um, like that celery note mm-hmm. and that bay note. Yeah, yeah. I was when you said you know celery salt, you know, I was really looking forward to some you know celery seasoning or something like that to come through. It's, uh, it, I'm not. I mean, I'm not. It's saying, there. Yeah, I'm not saying the beer is bad. The beer is quite drinkable. I'm enjoying it. It, you know, it. I was hoping for a little more nuance, a little more depth in the flavor. But if you close your eyes and you sort of imagine it, you can bring yourself to those flavors. They can come out with this, I think. So I'm, uh, yeah, I think that this, this accomplishes what it wants to accomplish. And it probably would be a good drinker at the, at a crawfish one. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it would too, yeah. All right, so... Do we move on to the IPAs, or... I think we do one IPA, and then we take a break, and then we go back to the other IPA. I think splitting them out works rather well. Okay. So, we talked about it a little bit. Let's talk about it some more. Sam Adams sent us their Rebel Grapefruit. They sent us, along with the Rebel Grapefruit, they also sent us a little tin of uh, Mosaic Hops. Yeah, they're in the freezer right now. Yeah. But- which and were the, really interesting smelling, and they sent us a grapefruit. Yes. They didn't instruct the grapefruit to garnish the glass or anything. I think they just kind of wanted you to be able yeah. to open up a grapefruit and kind of, instead of imagining what a grapefruit smells like, maybe I should go grab it so we can actually do that. It, hey, why not? Yeah, you should. Okay. After I get this portal, pause and... We'll get go, the hops out, too. Yeah, I'll grab those as well. Let's do the whole spiel. Okay, we're back. We got our grapefruit cut in half. We got our mosaic hops sitting in front of us. I know what you're thinking. They sent you a grapefruit. Isn't that silly? Well, I mean, they wanted us to experience the grapefruit without having to say, okay, by the way, go out to the supermarket and buy a grapefruit. I don't think it was that expensive for them to send us a grapefruit. So <laughs> Just, I, it's unusual. I it is you unusual, though. Um, I, I was saying that they should send us a durian. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, durian rebel. <laughs> Why not? That'd be rebellious. <laughs> I mean, I think that the obvious things people are saying, grapefruit IPA, grapefruit sculpin. They're good. 
Yeah. I mean, they generally have been good. So, so we got the Rebel in the Glass Pounder can. People are maybe saying, though, aren't they just trying to go and do, do this grapefruit thing? Well, yeah, why shouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, they did the Rebel Raw, which was yeah. kind of a heady topper clone. You know, so this is a, you know, I'm a, we'll taste it. We'll see if it's kind of trying to be a grapefruit sculpting clone or what. But yeah. the um, beer pours fairly hazy, you know, probably lots of hop in there. You know, it's not filtered out. So, Sam Adams two row pale malt blend and flaked oats. They the hop varieties Mosaic, Citra, Centennial, and Cascade. Like I said, we have these mosaic uh, dried cones that they sent us, which do a very sort of grapefruity smell. Mm-hmm. The six point three percent. The aroma on the beer when I first poured it and smelled it, it was. Hop aroma, all hop aroma. And now I'm smelling, I'm smelling the grapefruit juice. So I think, you know, it comes in little waves whether you're getting used to the hop aroma or. Right. Grapefruit juice and grapefruit peeler added as adjuncts. 52 IBUs. It definitely has a big citrusy aroma. Um, <laughs> Greg's smelling the grapefruit, smelling the beer, smelling the grapefruit. So the grapefruit, the fruit itself. Well, it has a very chlor. It has that alive smell, right? It has that chlorophylly kind of. Um, yeah, there's. Um, I get what you're saying. It has kind of the pithy smell. Yeah. Whereas the fruit, you know, the the beer has more of the juice. It has the smell. juice? It has the 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 citrusy, fruity parts from the hops too are blending in there, and they're coming across a little more. Um, Candy-like, or you know, like reduce, like uh, like a grapefruit syrup, like simple syrup or something like that with grapefruit. That yeah, kind of and there's thing. yeah, I agree. And there's a little bit of sort of tangerine that's coming through mm-hmm. from yeah. the hop notes as well, which I'm guessing is a lot of the citra going on. Oh, that's nice. Big juice flavor, big fruit juice flavor coming up front. It blends in really well with the malts and the hops. It's not as... So we talked about Grapefruit Sculpin already. Yeah. Grapefruit Sculpin, I feel, has um, more juice flavor, more citric juice flavor. But also the hops are a little more... Assertive? Assertive and aggressive. Yeah. Where in the flavor here, the hops are really melted well mm-hmm. into the rest of the flavors. I mean, that first sip was just like a really nice melt of all three things. And I was surprised at how well it went together. Yeah, you kind of feel there's... There, there's a top floor, which is the, the hops, and then underneath it, uh, sort of a grapefruit juice layer <laughs> that's sort of supporting the, the, the hops. The grapefruit juice is, I mean, strong and, and apparent, but it's not not quite, like, too too far to be. It's not a rattler, but it's there. And you can get a little bit of the oily note from the, from the skin, too, from the peel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well executed, I would say. I'd have to have Sculpin again. I haven't had Grapefruit Sculpin in a while to um, to compare. Because every time I've <laughs> been around the Sculpin, it's been the habanero one I've been going for. Um, I just saw on Twitter or someplace in town, just had them both on tap at the same time. I'm like, I want to go and blend them. <laughs> I know, wouldn't that be great? That probably would be great. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. It, it, I mean, it, it's assertive with this grapefruit, but 
the hops aren't as assertive. I think, like like Jeff was saying, so it doesn't have the same quality that Sculpin has. Where, and just in in terms of the hop context, it, it's more blending these hops with the flavor, and that's what the mosaic gives. Yeah, it's just smelling this grapefruit outright. I'm smelling like all peel and pith. I'm peel out a wedge here. It's a pink grapefruit. Skin's pretty tough. Here we go. Tasty grapefruit. Okay, now, now that I got like some of the meat away from the pith, mm-hmm. it doesn't have any of that kind of really, like you said, that pithy, chlorophyll-y type, type aroma. You're getting some more, what you imagine grapefruit smells like. Where it has kind of a... Um, yeah. What's the words I'm looking for? I did the same thing as Jeff does, and it definitely helps. You get a little bit of... But they did use peel in this. I mean, they use zest, right? You don't use the whole darn thing. You just use the outer layer that's good. Right, that's true. This inside layer is, you know, not good for anything. (laughs) It's good for protecting the fruit. Now i got to down this, like, (laughs) really fast. Mm -hmm. Well, no, what we can do is, is we can move... To that little segment that we love to do. You love it, don't you? I do love it because it helps support the show. And I like doing the show. Getting support is great. It's easy peasy for you to help support the show. If you shop at Amazon, don't start at Amazon. Start at craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. The rest of your day will be exactly as if you just went along with your normal day. But... 6%, 7%, 7.5% 6%, 7%, if you're really, really doing a lot. Lots of people do it, I should say. Um, everybody does it. Everybody does it. Goes to the show instead of to Amazon, you know? It's like a way to support your show with money you're spending anyway, and just part of it goes to us. And yeah. All you have to do is go to craftbeerradio.com slash Amazon. We know you have a lot of choices of places to do this sort of thing, too. We're just asking, hey, maybe think of us. What do you do? Exactly. If you're, if you're not sure what to buy, we do have an Amazon store on our webpage. Go to Craft Beer Radio, see the Amazon store. It has like my favorite beer drinking mm-hmm. paraphernalia. Uh, there, there's actually categories. You'll see like Jeff's picks and Greg's picks for like non beer things. I guess I should get that turned up. Mm-hmm. There's Jeff's picks and Greg's picks for non beer things, but we never really filled that out. Maybe we should go put our like favorite Amazon things in there. So. Yeah, that's actually a good idea. Why not? Yeah. I, I and I got some homebrew I stuff. Just, I love thirty thousand dollar like tractors. There you go. <laughs> it's not the wish list. It's not like people are gifting you this stuff. It's it's stuff that you are endorsing or you know that you like would want people to know about type things. So. What you on a wish list? So people can send you can have sugar daddy sending you stuff. I wouldn't mind it. No, maybe next year. All right, so what? So all right, so we're going to switch to, I guess, the millstream. Yeah, let's do that. Dave brought this one over. So, millstream brewing company in Amana, Iowa. Back road stout, which is an oatmeal stout. Malts to be used: two row Brewers Malt, Black Malt, Munich Twenty L, Caramel Eighty L, Chocolate. Flaked oats, roasted barley, and white wheat. Lots of stuff going on in this one. Hops, Mount Hood, Zots, Czech Zots, 
and uh, Millennium. Millennium. Millstream has apparently been around since 1985. 6.7% by volume, 22 IBUs, 1985. That's a long time ago. So they were probably in like that initial sort of fad state. Even before that, the fad state started in like 90, 91, 92. Oh, yeah. Huh. These are original gangsters of craft beer. Cool. Interesting. The, the, there's like no head on this whatsoever. So, label says oatmeal stout. I was busy pouring. I didn't hear everything Greg said, but I'm smelling this thing, and it smells like a chocolate stout. I mean, like well, <laughs> real like chocolate in there. Let me go over those malts again. Two row brewers malt. Black malt, Munich 20L, caramel 80L, chocolate, flaked oats, roasted barley, white wheat. Chocolate malt or chocolate? Chocolate malt. Because this smells like Southern Tears chocolate. <laughs> I mean, this smells like a chocolate added beer. It almost... Uh, it it may, maybe smells more like Black House Stout to me. Uh, for me, it smells like... Chocolate. Maybe it's the way they use the roast with the oats, and it's kind of smoothing it out, but it smells really good. Pour with, like, no head. Like, yeah, nothing. And, and, I mean, you can you can get something by swirling it up, so it's not like this no carbonation or anything. But it's, yeah, it was, it, it was surprising me how, like, there was nothing. Yeah, my glass, like, I haven't agitated it at all. It looks like it's still. I'm going to taste it here. There's some carbonation in there. It's slightly carbonated, but there's some carbonation in there. Ooh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah. Especially after the grapefruit. Because that flight is probably really helping this because those malts are cutting through any tartness and sweetness that was there. Uh, that was there, you know, the, the fruitiness from the grapefruit. Mm-hmm. And leaving behind this... The, the bitter chocolate notes are really very nicely pairing uh, with the malts in here. So it's... I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, the um, so I mean, what are we tasting? There's the roast really comes across. It's not astringent. It's not burnt. There's a little bit bitter chocolate, like you said. It doesn't have a sweet chocolatey flavor like I was smelling. Right. The oats kind of really bolster the body and give it this nice velvety mouthfeel. The beer is lightly carbonated. It, excuse me. It's kind of uh, almost like Cascale, but not quite. It's, it's a little more prickly than that. It's not quite as creamy as cask. Yeah, it has enough carbonation to be noticeable, but it's not very strongly mm-hmm. carbonated. The oatmeal gives it a nice body, like Jeff said. The um, yeah, I like how you said that it's you know it, it's not too sweet on the mouth, even with all this this malt. It's not really sweet, and the bitter chocolate notes help that so you get but also you said not astringent either it doesn't have that it's not burnt it's not ashy it's right down the middle and um like a really good piece of toast right like a like toasted just at the right moment so you don't get any of the black stuff but you get a lot of the deep sweet stuff deep deep caramelly stuff right right now i hear you i mean it's really hit a nice balance Mm -hmm. with this beer um doesn't have that slimy slickness that a lot of oatmeal stouts have, and I think it's to its benefit. Sometimes, you know, um, it works it well. Really, here. really plays in nice on this. Yeah, I mean, I'm not against that slimy thing at all. I 
love different textures and stuff, but it works well here. Not having the oatmeal is apparent without it being without having that texture. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, back really road good. stout from Millstream Brewing Company, and yeah, that was pretty tasty. I want to see what kind of ratings this gets because that, that's a really really good stout. I mean, it's yeah. really well done. Very, very well executed. Yeah, it was real good. All right, we're going to go back to the IPA. We're with a local brewery here. This is a hop farm. We've had... We did their brown ale, brown ale on the show last year. I think it was. Oh, wow, this cap's on tight. <laughs> Got a growler of, of their IPA here. I stopped out at the brewery the other day. And... Uh, Got a couple things to bring home. Hop Farm is 5.9% alcohol by volume. It's their flagship IPA. They call it bold and hoppy. We'll be the judge of that, Hop Farm. <laughs> this the, this appears more golden. Maybe it's more bronze. I don't know. It, I've never actually seen like a bunch of golds. <laughs> like a gold bar. Yeah, I think, you know. Saying gold to bronze is great descriptor for the color on this one. Roma. There's a lot of. <laughs> What's that? There's a lot of grapefruit coming out of this. Thing is, I got grapefruit on my hand now. So, like when I cover the glass to do my thing, <laughs> I smell the, the actual grapefruit from the. So I maybe it's more orange. So it's likely more sort of Cascade Centennial. Really neat sweetness on the aroma on this one. It's kind of um, almost so like there's uh, how do I want to describe it. I mean, it's a nice bready maltiness, but there's like the honey part of like golden grams, like you know, like kind of like it, it doesn't have like a graham cracker type flavor, but like the sweet like like coating on golden grams. I'm smelling that. I see what you're saying. If if not the smell, then something that reminds you of that smell enough to, to mm-hmm. hit the same neurons. I think that's pretty much everything that <laughs> we talk about, isn't it? Well, I mean, sometimes you say things and I'm like, I don't detect that at all. I'm right. getting it. Okay. It has, a, it has grapefruit in there. Even when I keep my hands far clear of what I'm smelling, I'm smelling some mm-hmm. really great, bright grapefruit aromas. This in the growler feels a little cold because it hasn't had a it has less surface area, so it's mm-hmm. hard for it to lower surface area ratio. Yeah, what are we at? Uh, so I'm like at forty eight, probably. Oh, that's surprising. It's still that yeah. cold. Yeah, we'll put. I mean, it's. I just took a sip and it, it tastes fine, but yeah, it doesn't seem like it's fully open yet. So I'm gonna wrap my hands around the snifter here, put some more heat in this beer. Get it to open up. Hop Farm Brewing. It's called Hop Farm because they actually have a hop farm as well. I think they have designs on... I, they probably can't. I don't. I should have asked him. Thing, my my uh, visit got cut short because they were doing a uh, pilot batch on their um, homebrew type system. And one of the pumps was out. So mm. Matt was trying to help the assistant brewer, you know, with the pumps and I excused myself since they were, you know, having a breakdown. Yeah. So I didn't get to, you know, finish up the conversation or anything. The, um, they're in Lawrenceville. So they're real close here. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, just a couple blocks past 
roundabout. Yeah. They're um, so they have like a kegerator cooler in the tap room. They have six beers on tap. He says like next weekend or in a couple of weeks they're gonna be doing a, a new tap system. We're gonna have put sixteen beers on tap. So, so they say they grow their own hops, but oh, <laughs> <laughs> they grow their own hops by hand organically. And add in every batch of beer. I assume that by hand they mean, like when we cut down your stuff, that's essentially what they're doing. Yeah, uh, you know, because we've seen the Budweiser machines that they have, mm-hmm. and they're impressive. But then we also have done it by hand several times, and that just takes time. Yeah. So yeah, Matt's growing hops. So it's interesting. I didn't know he puts them in every brew. They can't be all the hops they use, though. I don't think his farm is big enough to supply all his hops. But Maybe, yeah. Uh, if you get with, you know, he may have designs in the future of doing that, but you need a lot of acreage for all your beer. Yeah. They um, self distribute, they have uh, draft accounts around town. They do occasional bottlings. We have a bottle of um, Cherry Bomb, which is a sour ale in the fridge. Um, they occasionally can. They get a mobile canner to come in. The last time we had them on the show, they had a canner of brown ale. And that's what we had. They're out of cans right now, the website says. And uh, I had, you know, one of their beers um, at a local place here in Cranberry. And, uh, that, you know, conversations how I ended up down there. So I mean, I, I think I would recommend anybody who's really interested in this, especially since since right now there are thousands of breweries, you know, 4,000, 5,000 breweries in America, and there's likely to be a couple, not just one, a couple within 10 miles of where you are, especially if you're mm-hmm. in a, a reasonably, you know, close area. So, if you really are interested in this, I would, you know, just go down to one of these and just ask about it. They will probably love to answer your questions and maybe give you a tour and that kind of thing. Yeah, you might not want to show up when they're in the middle of brewing a batch. You know, not everyone has the creds that I have, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm just saying, you know. You just, if you just go there and express an interest, people are sure. likely to, to to want to first time I went the hop farm, First time I went to the hop farm, they wouldn't open. I was banging on the door. Like, <laughs> he knew I was coming, but he thought I was the chemical salesman guy and he was trying to you know dodge him so like he like wouldn't answer the door <laughs> like i'm banging on the garage door i'm banging on the side door and they wouldn't answer the door it was fun i'm glad we did an intermission beer between the rebel grapefruit and this one because i would have sworn that my glass was tainted from the previous beer the there's a really grapefruit-like flavor. Not just like hoppy grapefruit essence in here, but I'm tasting like a grapefruit-type flavor like in this glass. It's it's like... Greg's trying to find it, I think. Yes, I'm trying to find it. Mm. Um, okay. No, I, I got it at the end. Um, it took some volatilization. It's not for, as juicy, but yeah. I mean, it's... It's more juicy than I would have anticipated, and I would have blamed it on, like, glass taint or something if we didn't have a stout in the middle. It goes really orangey, and it starts orangey um, and stays orangey for a long time. And then I think at the end, that's where, to me, for my mm-hmm. taste sure. buds, that's where the grapefruit starts to come in. Yeah, um, I'm a little grapefruity earlier on, and then it kind of goes orange tangerine. Like, it feels very um, 
very cascade towards the end there. Well, we do have different mouths, don't we? No, sure. But no, bright hop flavor in this. The the malt sweetness. Kind of, uh, you know, it's really, it's not just hops and water. There's a nice mm-hmm. malt backbone on this. This is a pretty enjoyable. It's nice and fruity. It keeps along that, uh, these, uh, I guess I would call it a phase one IPA, which is, you're, you're talking about your citrus notes, those kind of things. You have your phase two, your, um, your, your piney resiny, your piney resiny ones, right? And then your phase three, the newer ones, which the are tropical. tropical. The era, the eras, eras of hop, of IPA development in craft beer. I like phases because it sounds more mathy. Okay, <laughs> I hear you. Like we've talked about that, where like you know we thought IPAs were played out, and then era three started. It's right. like, whoa, no, it didn't. <laughs> it's not played out. No, I think it was because. This is a good topic, actually. Why did we feel that they were played out? Because we started to think, especially after you encounter a whole bunch of them, uh, this is all that hops are capable of, either fruity or resiny. Yeah, Era 2 wasn't really that exciting. I mean, once you tasted the most hoppy thing in the world, Era 2 didn't really provide a ton of nuance, right? And then Era 3, the tropical ones, you know, we're talking about the Mosaics and the Nelsons and the, you know... A dozen other ones, the, but the, what's the vanilla one? The Motuika. Yeah, Motuika. You're like, oh wow, no hops can do. Anything. Hops can do anything. You just got to really, you know, work on it. Yeah. So and, Era Three was a lot more inventive than yeah. Era Two. So I think that's a big part of my change in opinion of what the future of IPA has in store. Um, I just saw Jim Cook gave a talk at the Ohio Brewers Guild. You know, because they had the big brew in Cincinnati, and. Part of his talk was about, you know, sure, there's all these great styles that were invented in the past, but, you know, he was part of, this part of the talk was focused on what about all the styles that haven't, that we haven't invented yet? Mm-hmm. You know, all the innovation that needs yet to be done with ingredients and things like that. You know, so it's even Jim Cook talking about, you know, the beers that haven't even been made yet, the styles right. of beer that don't and, exist yet. And you only get there by playing around. You you only get there by trying new things and sometimes failing, but sometimes making stuff that at least is drinkable, at least is interesting, and then getting to things. Oh wow! Look at what you can do. <coughs> so uh, I'm really I'm appreciative of, of of the fact that there is a company like Sam Adams. There are companies like them that have an active research program essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the thing that Sam Adams does, which is I think unique, is that they they get it to a point where it's at least commercially viable, and then just say, all right, we'll sell it also. We'll right. sell out our experiments. Yeah. The the funny part of the talk, you know, Jim said, don't do it for the money, do it for the passion. It's easy to say that once you're worth a billion, after you're worth a billion dollars, right? <laughs> I mean... I'm not saying he doesn't mean it. I'm just saying no, it's easier I, to say that after you're worth a billion dollars. When, when you discover that your passion can get you a billion dollars, and you're going to tell people to do it for their passion... <laughs> Uh, I have no doubt that that Jim Cook's beer is passion is beer. Uh, his passion happens to be extraordinarily lucrative. Right. You know what? So I have another growler of Hop Farm, and I don't really want to keep it till next week. Yeah. So I think we should open it up tonight too. It should be lower in alcohol, right? It's a yeah, yeah. It's not too bad. All right. So I, um, let's do the the tall grass. Two percent. Let's do the tall grass, and then we'll go get that other. Actually, you know, what? I'm going to pause and pull it out of the fridge. That's since a good idea. 
Okay, we're back. Greg and I had a whole side conversation yeah. where we paused, but let's get back into the main thing of stuff that you're aware of. We've got a beer here called Zombie Monkey Robust Porter. Tall Grass Brewing Company's Zombie Monkey. They're from Manhattan, Kansas, once again. 6.2% alcohol by volume, 35 IBUs. Apparently it's dusty on the top of the can because Jeff blew yeah. on it. Yeah, there was a little bit of dirt down in the lip, and I just wanted to get that off. Pounder can. Malts that are utilized are Brewer's Malt, Gold Pills slash Vienna, Caramel 120, Carapils, Carabrown, Chocolate Malt, and Black Malt. Hops that are reused, Bravo, Cascade, and Will Lamet. Relatively standard hopping. So there's something... 6.2%, 35 IBUs. This can, the screen on this can, the silk screen, has texture. The black. Here, check that out. How like the black has texture, but the other colors, like the white and the blue, don't. Like, it has a bumpy, like, texture on the can. I've not seen that. That's interesting. Even the blue. Oh, the blue's the bump? No, like, it doesn't. doesn't. Yeah, only the black has the texture. The black has the texture. The heck? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a brave new world we live in. All right, so this is available from August to October, so it's likely not available now, but it will be available in August. They're Robust Porter. So we just They're had... They're dark with uh, about a finger's worth of sort of a, sh- a fine head. I'm not sure yeah. So, you know, we just had that oatmeal stout, so that's going to be our, nat- for you and me, our natural baseline. This one has a bit more of that... Um, Acridness, you know, not I won't say astringency, but you know, it's not a sweet chocolatey aroma. There's something that's a little bit more roasty, yeah, and yeah. a little one that just a touch burnt on there. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but it's rare that a beer nails it without having any of this, it's, right? It's or you know, it might not even be the design. I mean, because the yeah. aroma of this does smell robust porter. You know, there's nothing off on that. Absolutely. A little bit of hopping in the yeah, aroma. I mean, and, and a little acridness is sort of expected. Yeah. yeah, there's a little bit of hopping coming in the aroma. Really nothing too distinct other than slight uh, maybe cascadiness or something like that. Enjoy this porter with beef stew, beef stroganoff, smoked meats, a bacon, mushroom, and caramelized onion tart. That's <laughs> <laughs> specific. Or espresso flavors in coffee desserts. Flavor comes through. <laughs> like a savor. Well, it, well, it, it leaves you. Bacon, mushroom, and caramelized onion tart. That sounds totally savor like. Yeah, it does. Maybe that's where they got the idea. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like, what do we serve with? Oh, let's use that. <laughs> Not in the marketing copy. There is really roasty. Mm-hmm. It almost. There's a little bit of, like, cherry, like, cherry, like, I don't, you know, cans don't oxidize very much, but, you know, there's something that's, like, kind of leaning, not not a bad oxidation. No, I think that's just, kind of, I, 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 honestly, I think that's just a little bit of astringency. I don't think that's... Okay. Yeah, I don't, uh, so I'm not saying it's like, oh, my God, this beer's oxidized. He's kind of saying there's a little bit of notes that kind of bring that little kind of, like, cherry sweetness towards the end. Yeah, and, the, I, and I think that's sort of, you know, stringy, like a mm. little raisin quality that yeah. is coming out. Finishes very roasty in the end, kind of coats your whole mouth with a big, robust roast. 
kind of a bit of a coffee. I mean, not like the beer has coffee in it, but kind of like a, a black coffee, like kind of astringency towards the end roast finish there too. So I'm feeling, I'm tasting this and I'm feeling like bad for tall grass because I think this is a really very good porter. This is, this nail is kind mm-hmm. of, you know, what I would expect out of a porter. It, mm-hmm. it, it's a little bit more ashy than, than other ones, but that's fine. It's got some chocolate stuff, mm-hmm. bitterness stuff, and it's, and it's good. But, man, that, oh, that the, uh, mill, stream mill stream is... is I wouldn't feel bad for Tallgrass. All the other beers we've had from them have been, like, amazing. Yeah, yeah, but it's they're like... Making some, they're making some awesome beers. But it's sort of like, you know, you compare something, you know, really... You know, you compare your your your, your beautiful pumpkin, you compare it against... A, oh. a, most awesome pumpkin in the land. Tactical grip can to prevent slippage while fleeing. <laughs> That's what Jeff pointed out to me on the... Uh, so that explains the texture. Yeah. You know, when the zombie monkeys are chasing you, you won't drop your can because they put a I texture see. on it. I see. Hey, it's clever. Yeah. Because when you're fleeing zombies, that's the first thing you think. I gotta have that porter. <laughs> well, zombie monkeys, baby. I haven't, I haven't really uh, considered the the monkey part of the equation. Oh, they're pretty. You would figure they'd be faster than human zombies. That'd be that'd be pretty scary. But would they want human they brains pointy, or, they or monkey teeth? No, well, it wouldn't be scary if, if they were like going about their business and ignoring humans. <laughs> that wouldn't be very scary. So I think they're going after humans too. Huh. It does present an issue, zombie monkeys. So, um... New thing for your nightmares. Yeah! I I mean, I I love the image, I love the, the art on, on the can, uh, which is sort of a... a... <laughs> somewhat cartoonish, but also, like, lived-in uh, monkey... With blue hair and gray and these giant white eyes with no pupils, it really mm-hmm. it has this. It, it's oh, very and his brains exposed too, and his brains are exposed. It's, it's an evocative little little image, yeah. and it um, it'll catch your eye for sure. And I like the name. Uh, <laughs> I like everything about this beer. I like the taste. I mean, it's good. I find that. Um if you do like a quick pull, take a quick taste, kind of brings the beer together and you get kind of a little bit more condensed cocoa uh, type flavor. Okay, yeah. And it instead of a slow, right. intricate drink where it kind of, the beer is too spread out and you're not seeing the whole picture, a quicker pull kind of condenses the beer and it makes more sense. Which makes more sense if you're running from a zombie monkey. You, just, you can do a quick pull. <laughs> exactly. It's funny when we get to a point like, okay, this beer's great, but you have to drink it just like this. <laughs> I'm like, I'm smelling like a touch of raspberry in the nose now. That's interesting. I mean, just the littlest but thing not, that reminds but, me of but, raspberry. But not wrong. <laughs> I don't taste it, but I just smelled my almost empty glass and I'm like, oh, raspberries. Okay. Speaking of raspberries, Heather and I just tried um, a new beer from Great Lakes. They have a new porter called Alberta, Alberta Clipper. Mm-hmm. It's a chocolate raspberry porter. It's not very chocolatey or very raspberry, but you know Great Lakes can make a good porter, you know, from Edmund Fitz. Um, 
I'm probably going to stick with Blackout Stout for my delicious wintertime drinker instead of Alberta Clipper, but it's a new beer, and it's not bad, but, yeah. But, uh, man, Blackout Stout. Well, Heather's a fiend. She's, like, on her third case of that for this winter. That's not a cheap case. It's compared to the other Imperial Stouts that she likes, like Dark Horse and what else does she like? It's cheap compared to the other Imperial Stouts that she <laughs> All likes. All right, so our final beer of the night is also from Hop Farm. As Jeff alluded, he has a second growler, and this is of their Blue Liner Vice, 3.2%. Berliner Weiss brewed with blueberries and local hops. They don't say their own, they say local. This is kind of cloudy-ish. It has... Uh, ooh, ooh, hmm. it's like a reddish straw with sort of red highlights. Yeah, well, probably a purpley dilute blueberry type highlight you would think but you can definitely tell there's like a fruit I I don't think you would like pull that out without thinking purple and say purple Mm -hmm. right the aroma on this it's it's lactic it's it's kind of a touch yogurty on it Mm -hmm. oh yeah we're gonna warm this puppy way up since it just came out of the fridge (laughs) so it poured at about Okay, right. Mine says 49 degrees already. But what? That doesn't seem right. No, it feels much colder. Yeah, mine says, uh, yeah, 48.3, which is roughly 43, 44. Mm, okay, yeah, the so- aroma doesn't have too much blueberry flavor. There might be a touch you can pick out there, something that's kind of skinny, like blueberry skin mm-hmm. or something like that. Yes, I think that's the that's that primary note. If you, um, oh, I remember. It doesn't so, taste like blueberries. So as, <laughs> as this warms up, you know, stick your nose in there. It has a really right in the beer. Yeah, yeah, stick it all the way in. <laughs> uh, when I was drinking this, tasted this at the pub there, at the tasting room, and I remember thinking that. Because it was served warmer, and I remember thinking that I had, I asked Matt, you know, is is that all malt? It almost seemed like there was a honey component, like for a minute out. I mean, it almost smells and tastes like uh, a blueberry mead or something. That's hitting again, like a blueberry mead or something like that. Um, We'll see if I get there again today, but I really uh, had enjoyed the complexity. Still very cool. yogurty, very mm-hmm. yogurty and lactic in the aroma. Yeah, it has a, which I, I mean that would be exactly what I would expect. When we say yogurty, though, it has this like kind of like creamy type smell too. You know, it's 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 not like not all Berliner Weisses have yeah, that's that. True. That's true. You know, that creamier type smell. Some have a sort of tartness that cuts through that, and this one doesn't appear yeah. to have that aroma at least. All right, I think that should be enough for now. Yep. So when I, I smell it, cold. when I smell it now. The blueberry is really apparent. It doesn't smell like skins. It has more of a fleshy type aroma. And it goes into this 
wildflower pasture pollen honey type thing it really takes me there see to me that's more milky okay. I mean, that's more like directly lactic flavor has really good balanced tartness to it it doesn't it's not enamel eating ripping your tongue off but it's not you know a light you know I think it has a good balance on the tartness and then the sour decent tartness not super sour strong enough to let you know it's there the blueberry comes in more at the end as mm-hmm. the as a, as the lactic sugar is is, is losing its sweetness yeah. and then you get this get this this um very uh blueberry like almost blackberry pull okay. of, of acid, yeah, you don't get tart. much the where the aroma really opened up and started displaying the blueberries it never really comes forward that much in the flavor. Uh, yeah, towards the end, like Greg said, where he said, you know, I'm tasting, I'm imagining like kind of like a condensed dried, like a, a you know, a dry, freeze dried, or not freeze dried, but just dried blueberry. I'm kind of getting that condensed type flavor. Mm-hmm. It feels to me that more of the blueberry taste is up front with the lactic stuff. And then as the lactic sugar goes away, the other sugar, mm-hmm. you get this... So well, he, he keeps he, saying lactic sugar, but this isn't. It's lactose, which is a lactic sugar. Well, no, no, it's not lactose. It's kettle sour. It has lactic acid in it. Oh, so there's no lactose? No. Hmm. Interesting. No. Yeah. So it's kettle soured, right? So right. So it's not they, milk sour. Do the mash. It doesn't have lactic sugar added. Hmm. But it has lactic acid. So I think, yes, you're you're confusing things. Yes, you just just said lactic sugar, which is not doesn't it doesn't exist. But there is lactose, which is the sugar that is. Well, there is a thing called lactose. The way you just said, it it sounds like there's an ingredient. No, there's there's no milk sugar in this beer. It's kettle soured by the bacteria that live on the husks of the yeast or the sorry the husks of the malt in the mash. It makes lactic acid, which is the same kind of feature, you know, procedure that yogurt makes. And that's where you're getting confused because, sure, milk has milk sugar, which goes into yogurt, but not yeah. in this. Yeah, yeah. I'm getting confused because the flavors are similar and you get an upfront difference in... It's different than the citric acid. It's different than mm-hmm. acetic acid in terms of what you get up front and what you get in, in, in behind it. Different context and that is giving me a to me what what feels to my tongue is sort of a slightly sweet up front which might also be the blueberries helping mm-hmm. and then the tartness comes in the back and that's where any sweetness in the blueberry fades and you just sort of get the citric acid component and and it, it, it tastes more like a blackberry than a blueberry at okay. that point right yeah the um, i'm still getting you know notes of like wildflower honey in here it, i i it's there's no ingredient, you know, it's on there, but it keeps pulling me there. Maybe it's the blueberries and, and the certain kind of components are coming off of that. Maybe it's some of the souring, but you know, this is uh, quite an enjoyable blue liner vice. They all were very enjoyable, which makes ranking. Yeah, we didn't have a uh, stinker tonight, did we? 
They did not have a stinker. Let's pause and work on that and come yeah. back. All right. Um, you know, I if I was allowed, I would abstain from ranking tonight because they were all really good beers. We do have that option. Did we say it was once a year or twice a year? One Probably once a year makes more sense. I'll rank, but I need to put an asterisk with it saying... It's February. It's really early. To use they're, vir- they're virtually interchangeable, right? I'll, yeah. I'll give a ranking, but I don't mean it. I mean, these ber- okay. beers are virtually interchangeable. Sure. And uh, so from the bottom, I think if I do have anything, I think that there was a cluster of five beers and then one beer that was just underneath it. And for me, the zombie monkey was probably just underneath it. Okay. Um, it just didn't seem as integrated as many of the other beers that we had tonight. And I'm going to put it in sixth place. And then the next five, it gets really tough. I think I'm going to put the Abita in fourth place. I'm fairly clear on that one, too. Uh, I enjoyed how it was good wit beer, you know, base. You know, that's the flavors that I was tasting. And then the, the cayenne kind of came through. You know, I was looking for a little more depth, a little more nuance in... Um, the different spices that were added on that beer. And then top four get really hard. I'm going to put the um, the back road stout from Millstream in fourth place. But it was a fantastic oatmeal stout. Um, it was fantastic. Really liked everything about it. I think it's in fourth place because it's an oatmeal stout versus the other styles. I mean, mm-hmm. other than that, it's just really good. Uh, third place, let's do the Hop Farm uh, Blue Linerweiss. Um, really like it. I think I'm, you know, but what's left? The two hoppy beers. I think the hoppy beers really hit hit me well tonight. Um, I put the Hop Farm IPA in second place. I really liked how it had a, a malt character to it and then went right into that orangey grapefruit and really was nice and clean tasting. Good hoppy flavor. It's quite enjoyable. And then, you know, the the Sam Adams had kind of performance-enhancing drugs. It had grapefruit and mosaic <laughs> hops added to it. And uh, that beer really melded well it was so integrated from that first sip there the malt the grapefruit juice and the hops just kind of all were just all together you know there was no rough edge there wasn't even chapters or pages it was all one consistent thing it was a monolith right but it wasn't this muddy monolith it was it was very distinct thing and I'm just impressed at the final product of that beer and I think it was just so well put together wow okay well that's Jeff's ranking this is fascinating if you ask me because our rankings really are very different and based on extraordinarily different criteria but they're yeah, but which is which is I mean weird because we all liked uh, when, we liked when all you have beers. six excellent yeah. beers yeah. and you have to pick some kind of arbitrary reason for ranking them yeah that, I guess that is to be expected uh, but it still is interesting. Uh, so I, I felt that there were sort of t- three kind of categories that that, that fit uh, there, and and then it was sort of what who who won in these categories, and then I sort of ordered by that because that to me 
uh, so it's like a bracket system kind of uh, and and as soon as you pause it sort of clarified it, it didn't take me much time at all as soon as I sort of realized okay these brackets work and then where do they where do I place them mm-hmm. so my number six is uh, I mean again I, I like all these beers my number six is going to be this one I'm drinking right now the Blue Moon Vice and it's more that um it, it it's it's very typical of its style and it works and that's enough and it's good and that's enough it's nothing fantastic it's nothing you know absolutely amazing rather the ordinary for a Berliner Weiss so it, you know it gets sixth place it's not bad it's very good you should have it well number five is going to be the Abita so these two are sort of in a bracket together and I liked the Abita. I guess I sort of liked its its daring more than the Blue Lunar Vice. Then we go into uh, the IPA bracket. And in this one, to me, the the Hot Farm is better than the Sam Adams. Uh, I liked the Sam Adams plenty fine. It was very good. The Hot Farm felt to me a little bit more... Uh, maybe it was it didn't have a juice addition, so it felt a little bit more... Um, just plain old IPA, and that helped it along. Okay. It, it, the hot form was better for me than the Sam Adams, but they were both good. And then we have the uh, Porter Stout competition, the Porter Stout bracket. And to me, uh, the Millstream was just fantastic, and it nailed things that I I haven't tasted a beer that like had that kind of deep level of of chocolate, but didn't have astringency or or, mm-hmm. <laughs> or uh, you know, or, or the um, carbony uh, quality, and so that made it number one over the tall grass, which I really loved. Okay, yeah, I mean, I think you know, it just goes to show the beers, no slouches, and yeah. you, basically you're gonna get a random distribution in rankings when all the beers are so good. Essentially, yeah, because I mean, I'm picking too many a, variables. It, it, well, it's gonna central limit theorem. It's gonna look like a random. <laughs> well, you're right. I mean, we're just gonna pick how. Okay, so there's no bad beers, mm-hmm. so we're not going to rank that way. So what methodology? Oh, okay, I'm feeling stouts tonight, so yeah. stouts win, you know, that kind of thing. I, absolutely. Thank you, everybody, for listening to Craft Beer Radio. Oh, we're, we're going out with the storks, huh? I don't know. All right. Turn it down a little bit. Going out with the storks. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. You can visit craftbeerradio.com for more information. If you want to hit us up on Twitter, at Jeff Bear. At CBR Greg. At Craft Beer Radio. Email beer at craftbeerradio.com. And uh, we appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. We really, you know, it means a lot to us. And I uh, just want to let you know that we appreciate you taking time to listen. Thanks. I'll see talk talk at you again next week. Make you stand on one feet. Yo, my eyes are red, my voice is trembling. Please don't leave me stop. I need you till the end when the cops came. You held my stash in your feet. God damn. Nasty freak.